This podcast is sponsored by The Coldest Water, a company at war with hot. They believe that the coldest things are the best things in life. Built for athletes and high performers, they are famous for creating the coldest water bottles to the coldest pillow to the coldest ice packs. They have even developed the coldest dog bed and dog bowl to keep your furry friends cooler during the hotter months. Get 10% off your first order by using code NOX10 at coldest.com. Hello everyone, welcome to Knox Bedtime Stories. I'm your friend Joey, here with another episode to help you relax, feel safe, and fall asleep. It's 10pm here, I hope you're all in the mood for a calm and relaxing night's sleep. On tonight's episode, I'm going to walk you through a guided sleep imagery meditation where we'll visit a relaxing and cozy old farmhouse. If you're new here to the Knox family, welcome. I hope I'm able to bring you calm and comfort at bedtime for a long time to come. From here on out, nothing exists except you, me, this beautiful fireplace, and the bed couch or floor you're laying on. Before we get to tonight's content, ask yourself this question, what is a good night's sleep worth to you? Does the podcast help you relax, feel safe, and fall asleep once a month, once a week, five days a week? If it does, please consider becoming a patron of Knox Bedtime Stories for as little as $2 a month. That small amount keeps the show running so that people all over the world can enjoy the podcast and get a good night's sleep. It pays for things like podcast hosting, web hosting, books, and other podcasting-related expenses that I could not afford without my Patreon supporters. Not to mention the many, many hours I put into the show make sure you all get the peaceful night's rest you deserve. You can also have conversations with me if you're into that sort of thing, and there are 30 plus episodes of bonus content. If you would like to help the podcast by becoming a patron, please go to knoxbedtimestories.com and click the Patreon link or patreon.com slash knoxbedtimestories. Alright, if you're not already relaxing in bed, please do so now as we take a relaxing trip to a cozy old farmhouse. Make yourself comfortable in your favorite position for falling asleep and close your eyes. Take a slow, full, deep breath and let it go. It's time to set the world aside, let go of your day, and begin your gentle transition into sleep. And take another slow, full, deep breath and breathe out any tension. All there is to do now is relax, rest, and be restored. Imagine you're walking along a country lane late in the afternoon on a warm summer day. There are tall old trees lining the lane, and just beyond the trees are rolling fields of green grass and wildflowers. You can smell the delicate scent of flowers in the air and hear a meadow lark calling in the distance. 
and just ahead, a pair of deer are crossing the lane to the field on the other side. As you come around a bend in the road, you approach the entrance of what used to be an old farm property, now a sanctuary for travelers like yourself. Turning in, you walk down the dirt driveway toward the house. There's no longer much farming going on here, but there's still a red barn standing off to one side, with its wide wooden doors open, an old windmill turning slowly, and a corral with a few horses eating their evening hay. One of them looks up at you, twitches his ear, and then goes back to dinner. The house is stone and wood with green shutters on either side of the windows and a wide front porch with a comfy looking swing. An old dog is sleeping contently on the porch and as you approach, he wags his tail once but doesn't bother to get up. So you climb the porch steps, have a seat on the swing and rest for a few minutes to watch the sunset. Soon, an orange tabby cat comes along, jumps up in your lap, and falls asleep purring. As the sun sets and the evening draws on, crickets begin chirping and the air turns cooler. It's time to go inside and get some sleep. The house is all yours tonight, and walking in, you find it simply furnished, warm and clean, with a sitting room off to one side with soft couches and comfy chairs. There are braided rugs on polished wood floors and a staircase with a wooden banister. You're quite tired now, so you climb the stairs and find your room. Your bedroom is simple and clean, with ivory-colored walls, a soft tapestry, lacy curtains on the windows, and a polished wood floor and there's a beautiful country quilt on the bed. The window is open a bit, and you can still hear the evening crickets chirping in their soft rhythm. Everything you need is here, and your favorite sleeping garments are already laid out for you. Sitting on the edge of the bed, you find it's really very comfortable, and so you get ready for bed and lay down under the covers as the last light of the day fades. All is quiet and peaceful, and you're ready for a good night's sleep. So you feel your body begin to relax, starting with your feet. Allow all the tension to leave them. They've worked hard for you today and deserve a rest. And so, the relaxation in your feet finds its way into your ankles, your calves, and your knees. And now, Relax your upper legs, your hips, and your buttocks. And feel this relaxation flowing up into your abdomen and lower back and your upper back and chest. And feel this peaceful, relaxing feeling flowing down your arms, into your hands, and out your fingertips. And then up into your neck, head, and face. Now your whole body is perfectly calm, relaxed, and ready for sleep. 
And just to make sure there's nothing left between you and a gentle full night's rest, imagine that the very top of your head opens and outflow any thoughts that might still be trapped inside to find their way out of the house and into the beautiful starry night sky where they drift out of sight. Now you're all clear. Don't forget to close the top of your head. Soon you'll be sound asleep, off on a peaceful journey into dreamland that will carry you all the way through the night. So you begin to follow your breath and inwardly repeat the words soft, sleep, deep, peace, soft, sleep, deep, peace, soft, sleep, deep, peace. Have a wonderful restful sleep. All right now. Now that we're fully relaxed, let's visit the Hundred Acre Woods and our good friends. In which Pooh and Piglet go hunting and nearly catch a woozle. The Piglet lived in a very grand house in the middle of a beech tree. And the beech tree was in the middle of the forest. And the Piglet lived in the middle of the house. Next to his house was a piece of broken board which had Trespassers W on it. When Christopher Robin asked the piglet what it meant, he said it was his grandfather's name and had been in the family for a long time. Christopher Robin said, you couldn't be called Trespassers W. And piglet said, yes, you could because his grandfather was, and it was short for Trespassers Will, which was short for Trespassers William. And his grandfather had had two names in case he had lost one. Trespassers after an uncle and William after trespassers. I've got two names, said Christopher Robin carelessly. Well, there you are. That proves it, said Piglet. One fine winter's day, when Piglet was brushing away the snow in front of his house, he happened to look up and there was Winnie the Pooh. Pooh was walking round and round in a circle, thinking of something else, and when Piglet called to him, he just went on walking. Hello, said Piglet. What are you doing? Hunting, said Pooh. Hunting what? Tracking something, said Winnie the Pooh, very mysteriously. Tracking what, said Piglet, coming closer. That's just what I ask myself. I ask myself, what? What do you think you'll answer? I shall have to wait until I catch up with it, said Winnie the Pooh. Now look there. He pointed to the ground in front of him. What do you see there? Tracks, said Piglet. Paw marks. He gave a little squeak of excitement. Oh, Pooh, do you think it's uh, a woozle? It may be, said Pooh. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. You never can tell with paw marks. With these few words, he went on tracking, and Piglet, after watching him for a minute or two, ran after him. Winnie the Pooh had come to a sudden stop and was bending over the tracks in a puzzled sort of way. What's the matter? asked Piglet. It's a very funny thing, said Bear, 
but there seems to be two animals now. This, whatever it was, has been joined by another, whatever it is, and the two of them are now proceeding in company. Would you mind coming with me, Piglet, in case they turn out to be hostile animals? Piglet scratched his ear in a nice sort of way, and said that he had nothing to do until Friday, and would be delighted to come, in case it really was a woozle. You mean, in case it really is two woozles, said Winnie the Pooh, and Piglet said that, anyhow, he had nothing to do until Friday, so off they went together. There was a small spinny of larch trees just here, and it seemed as if the two woozles, if that is what they were, had been going round the spinny. So round the spinny went Pooh and Piglet after them. Piglet, passing the time by telling Pooh what his grandfather, Trespassers W, had done to remove stiffness after tracking, and how his grandfather, Trespassers W, had suffered in his later years from shortness of breath and other matters of interest, and Pooh wondering what a grandfather was like, and if perhaps this was two grandfathers they were after now, and if so, whether he would be allowed to take one home and keep it, and what Christopher Robin would say. And still, the tracks went on in front of them. Suddenly, Winnie the Pooh stopped and pointed excitedly in front of him. Look, what said Piglet with a jump? And then, to show that he hadn't been frightened, he jumped up and down once or twice more in an exercising sort of way. The track said Pooh, a third animal had joined the other two. Pooh, cried Piglet, do you think it is another woozle? No, said Pooh, because it makes different marks. It is either two woozles and one, as it might be, whizzle, or two, as it might be, whizzles, and one, if so, it is a woozle. Let us continue to follow them. So they went on, feeling just a little anxious now, in case the three animals in front of them were of hostile intent. And Piglet wished very much that his grandfather, T.W., were there instead of elsewhere. And Pooh thought how nice it would be if they met Christopher Robin suddenly, but quite accidentally, and only because he liked Christopher Robin so much. And then, all of a sudden, Winnie the Pooh stopped again, and licked the tip of his nose in a cooling manner, for he was feeling more hot and anxious than ever in his life before. There were four animals in front of them. Do you see, Piglet? Look at their tracks. Three, as it were, woozles, and one, as it was, whizzle. Another woozle has joined them, and so it seemed to be. There were the tracks crossing over each other here, getting muddled up with each other there, but quite plainly, every now and then, the tracks of four sets of paws. I think, said Piglet, when he had licked the tip of his nose too, and found that it brought very little comfort, I think that I have just remembered something. I have just remembered something that I forgot to do yesterday and shan't be able to do tomorrow. So I suppose I really ought to go back and do it now. 
We'll do it this afternoon, and I'll come with you, said Pooh. It isn't the sort of thing you can do in the afternoon, said Piglet quickly. It's a very popular morning thing that has to be done in the morning. And if possible, between the hours of... What would you say the time was? About twelve, said Winnie the Pooh, looking at the sun. Between, as I was saying, the hours of twelve and twelve o five. So, really, dear old Pooh, if you'll excuse me, what's that? Pooh looked up at the sky, and then, as he heard the whistle again, he looked up into the branches of a big oak tree, and then he saw a friend of his. It's Christopher Robin, he said. Ah, then you'll be all right, said Piglet. You'll be quite safe with him. Goodbye, and he trotted off home as quickly as he could, very glad to be out of all danger again. Christopher Robin came slowly down his tree. Silly old bear, he said. What were you doing? First, you went round the spinney twice by yourself, and then Piglet ran after you and you went round again together, and then you were just going round a fourth time. Wait a moment, said Winnie the Pooh, holding up his paw. He sat down and thought in the most thoughtful way he could think. Then he fitted his paw into one of the tracks, and then he scratched his nose twice and stood up. Yes, said Winnie the Pooh. I see now, said Winnie the Pooh. I have been foolish and deluded, said he, and I am a bear of no brain at all. You're the best bear in all the world, said Christopher Robin soothingly. Am I, said Pooh hopefully, and then he brightened up suddenly. Anyhow, he said, it is nearly luncheon time, so he went home for it. In which Eeyore loses a tail and Pooh finds one. The old gray donkey, Eeyore, stood by himself in a thistly corner of the forest, and his front feet well apart, his head on one side, and thought about things. Sometimes he thought sadly to himself, why? And sometimes he thought, wherefore? And sometimes he thought, inasmuch as which? And sometimes he didn't quite know what he was thinking about. So when Winnie the Pooh came stumping along, Eeyore was very glad to be able to stop thinking for a little, in order to say, how do you do, in a gloomy manner to him. And how are you, said Winnie the Pooh. Eeyore shook his head from side to side. Not very how, he said. I don't seem to have felt at all how for a long time. Dear, dear, said Pooh, I'm sorry about that. Let's have a look at you. So Eeyore stood there, gazing sadly at the ground, and Winnie the Pooh walked all round him once. Why, what's happened to your tail? he said in surprise. What has happened to it? said Eeyore. It isn't there. Are you sure? Well, either a tail is there, or it isn't there. You can't make a mistake about it. And yours isn't there. Then what is? Nothing. Let's have a look, said Eeyore, and he turned slowly round to the place where his tail had been a little while ago, and then, finding that he couldn't catch it up, he turned round the other way until he came back to where he was at first, 
And then, he put his head down and looked between his front legs. And at last he said, with a long, sad sigh, I believe you're right. Of course I'm right, said Pooh. That accounts for a good deal, said Eeyore gloomily. It explains everything. No wonder. You must have left it somewhere, said Winnie the Pooh. Somebody must have taken it, said Eeyore. How like them, he added, after a long silence. Pooh felt that he ought to say something helpful about it, but didn't quite know what. So he decided to do something helpful instead. Eeyore, he said solemnly, I, Winnie the Pooh, will find your tail for you. Thank you, Pooh, answered Eeyore. You're a real friend, said he. Not like some, he said. So Winnie the Pooh went off to find Eeyore's tail. It was a fine spring morning in the forest as he started out. Little soft clouds played happily in a blue sky, skipping from time to time in front of the sun, as if they had come to put it out, and then sliding away suddenly, so that the next might have his turn. Through them and between them, the sun shone bravely, and a copse which had worn its furs all year round, seemed old and dowdy now, beside the new green lace, which the beeches had put on so prettily. Through copse and spinney marched bare, down open slopes of gorse and heather, over rocky beds of streams, up steep banks of sandstone, into the heather again, and so at last tired and hungry to the hundred acre wood. For it was in the hundred acre wood that Owl lived. And if anyone knows anything about anything, said Bear to himself, it's Al who knows something about something, he said. Or, my name's not Winnie the Pooh, he said. Which it is, he added. So, there you are. Al lived at the Chestnuts, an old world residence of great charm, which was grander than anybody else's, or seemed so to Bear, because it had both a knocker and a bell pull. Underneath the knocker, there was a notice which said, Please ring if an answer is required. Underneath the bell pull, there was a notice which said, Please knock if an answer is not required. These notices had been written by Christopher Robin, who was the only one in the forest who could spell. For Al, wise though he was in many ways, able to read and write and spell his own name, yet somehow, went all to pieces over delicate words like measles and buttered toast. Winnie the Pooh read the two notices very carefully, first from left to right, and afterwards, in case he had missed some of it, from right to left. Then, to make quite sure, he knocked and pulled the knocker, and he pulled and knocked the bell rope, and he called out in a very loud voice, Al, I require an answer. It's bear speaking. And the door opened, and Al looked out. Hello, Pooh, he said. How's things? Terrible and sad, said Pooh, because Eeyore, who was a friend of mine, has lost his tail, and he's moping about it. So, could you very kindly tell me how to find it for him? Well, said Owl, the customary procedure in such cases is as follows. What does crust-a-money proceed cake mean, said Pooh. 
for I am a bear of very little brain, and long words bother me. It means the thing to do. As long as it means that, I don't mind, said Pooh humbly. The thing to do is as follows. First, issue a reward. Then, just a moment, said Pooh, holding up his paw. What do we do to this, what you were saying? You sneezed just as you were going to tell me. I didn't sneeze. Yes, you did, Owl. Excuse me, Pooh, I didn't. You can't sneeze without knowing it. Well, you can't know it without something having been sneezed. What I said was first issue a reward. You're doing it again, said Pooh sadly. A reward, said Owl very loudly. We write a notice to say that we will give a large something to anybody who finds Eeyore's tail. I see, I see, said Pooh, nodding his head. Talking about large somethings, he went on dreamily. I generally have a small something about now, about this time in the morning, and he looked wistfully at the cupboard in the corner of Al's parlor. Just a little mouthful of condensed milk or whatnot, with perhaps a lick of honey. Well then, said Al, we write out this notice and we put it up all over the forest. A lick of honey, murmured Bear to himself, or, or not, as the case may be. And he gave a deep sigh and tried very hard to listen to what Owl was saying. But Owl went on and on, using longer and longer words, until at last, he came back to where he started, and he explained that the person to write out this notice was Christopher Robin. It was he who wrote the ones on my front door for me. Did you see them, Pooh? For some time now, Pooh had been saying yes and no in turn, with his eyes shut, to all that Owl was saying. And having said yes, yes last time, he said no, not at all now, without really knowing what Owl was talking about. Didn't you see them, said Al, a little surprised. Come and look at them now. So they went outside, and Pooh looked at the knocker and the notice below it, and he looked at the bell rope and the notice below it, and the more he looked at the bell rope, the more he felt that he had seen something like it somewhere else sometime before. Handsome bell rope, isn't it, said Al. Pooh nodded. It reminds me of something, he said, but I can't think what. Where did you get it? I just came across it in the forest. It was hanging over a bush, and I thought at first somebody lived there, so I rang it, and then nothing happened. And then I rang it again, very loudly, and it came off in my hand, and as nobody seemed to want it, I took it home, and... Al said, Pooh solemnly, you made a mistake. Somebody did want it. Who? Eeyore. My dear friend Eeyore. He was... He was fond of it. Fond of it? Attached to it, said Winnie the Pooh sadly. So with these words he unhooked it and carried it back to Eeyore. And when Christopher Robin had nailed it on in its right place again... Eeyore frisked about the forest, waving his tail so happily. Winnie the Pooh came over all funny, and had to hurry home for a little snack of something to sustain him. And wiping his mouth half an hour afterwards, 
He sang to himself proudly. Who found the tail? I said Pooh. At a quarter to two. Only it was quarter to eleven really. I found the tail. This podcast is sponsored by The Coldest Water. Get 10% off your first order by using code NOX10 at coldest.com. In which Piglet meets a Heffalump. One day, when Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh and Piglet were all talking together, Christopher Robin finished the mouthful he was eating and said carelessly, I saw a heffalump today, Piglet. What was it doing? asked Piglet. Just lumping along, said Christopher Robin. I don't think it saw me. I saw one once, said Piglet. At least, I think I did, he said. Only, perhaps it wasn't. So did I, said Pooh, wondering what a heffalump was like. You don't often see them, said Christopher Robin, carelessly. Not now, said Piglet. Not at this time of year, said Pooh. Then they all talked about something else, until it was time for Pooh and Piglet to go home together. At first, as they stumped along the path, which edged the hundred-acre wood, they didn't say much to each other. But when they came to the stream and had helped each other across the stepping stones and were able to walk side by side again over the heather, they began to talk in a friendly way about this and that. And Piglet said, If you see what I mean, Pooh. And Pooh said, It's just what I think myself, Piglet. And Piglet said, But on the other hand, Pooh, we must remember. And Pooh said, Quite true, Piglet although I had forgotten it for the moment. And then, just as they came to the six pine trees, Pooh looked round to see that nobody else was listening, and said in a very solemn voice, Piglet, I have decided something. What have you decided, Pooh? I have decided to catch a heffalump. Pooh nodded his head several times as he said this, and waited for Piglet to say how. Or, Pooh, you couldn't, or something helpful of that sort. But Piglet said nothing. The fact was, Piglet was wishing that he had thought about it first. I shall do it, said Pooh, after waiting a little longer, by means of a trap. And it must be a cunning trap, so you will have to help me, Piglet. Pooh, said Piglet, feeling quite happy again now, I will. And then he said, How shall we do it? And Pooh said, That's just it. How? And then they sat down together to think it out. Pooh's first idea was that they should dig a very deep pit, and then the heffalump would come along and fall into the pit, and... Why? said Piglet. Why what? said Pooh. Why would he fall in? Pooh rubbed his nose with his paw, and said that the heffalump might be walking along, humming a little song and looking up at the sky, wondering if it would rain, and so he wouldn't see the very deep pit, until he was about halfway down, when it would be too late. Piglet said that this was a very good trap, but supposing it were raining already, Pooh rubbed his nose again, and said that he hadn't thought of that, and then, he brightened up and said that if it were raining already 
the heffalump would be looking at the sky, wondering if it would clear up. And so, he wouldn't see the very deep pit until he was halfway down, when it would be too late. Piglet said that, now that this point had been explained, he thought it was a cunning trap. Who was very proud when he heard this, and he felt that the heffalump was as good as caught already, but there was just one other thing which had to be thought about, and it was this. Where should they dig the very deep pit? Piglet said that the best place would be somewhere where a heffalump was, just before he fell into it, only about a foot farther on. But then he would see us digging it, said Boo. Not if he was looking at the sky. He would suspect, said Boo, if he happened to look down. He thought for a long time, and then added sadly, It isn't as easy as I thought. I suppose that's why. Heffalumps hardly ever get caught. That must be it, said Piglet. They sighed and got up, and when they had taken a few gorse prickles out of themselves, they sat down again. And all the time, Pooh was saying to himself, If only I could think of something. For he felt sure that a very clever brain could catch a heffalump if only he knew the right way to go about it. Suppose, he said to Piglet, you wanted to catch me, how would you do it? Well, said Piglet, I should do it like this. I should make a trap, and I should put a jar of honey in the trap, and you would smell it, and you would go in after it, and... And I would go in after it, said Pooh excitedly, only very carefully, so as not to hurt myself, and I would get to the jar of honey, and I should lick round the edges first of all, pretending that there wasn't any more, you know, and then I should walk away, think about it a little, and then I should come back and start licking in the middle of the jar, and then, yes, well, never mind about that. There you would be, and there I should catch you. Now the first thing to think of is, what do heffalumps like? I should think acorns, shouldn't you? We'll get a lot of... I say, wake up, Pooh. Pooh, who had gone into a happy dream, woke up with a start, and said that honey was a much more trappy thing than acorns. Piglet didn't think so, and they were just going to argue about it. When Piglet remembered that, if they put acorns in the trap, he would have to find the acorns. But if they put honey, then Pooh would have to give up some of his own honey. So he said, all right, honey then, just as Pooh remembered it too, and was going to say, all right, acorns. Honey, said Piglet to himself in a thoughtful way, as if it were now settled. I'll dig the pit while you go and get the honey. Very well, said Pooh, and he stumped off. As soon as he got home, he went to the larder, and he stood on a chair, and took down a very large jar of honey from the top shelf. It had honey written on it, but just to make sure, he took off the paper cover and looked at it, and it looked just like honey. But you never can tell, said Pooh. I remember my uncle saying once that he had seen cheese just this color. So he put his tongue in 
and took a large lick. Yes, he said, it is. No doubt about that. And honey, I should say, right down to the bottom of the jar. Unless, of course, he said, somebody put cheese in at the bottom just for a joke. Perhaps I'd better go a little further, just in case. In case heffalumps don't like cheese. Same as me. Ah, and he gave a deep sigh. I was right. It is honey. Right the way down. Having made certain of this, he took the jar back to Piglet, and Piglet looked up from the bottom of his very deep pit, and said, Got it? Pooh said yes, but it isn't quite a full jar, and he threw it down to Piglet, and Piglet said, No, it isn't. Is that all you've got left? And Pooh said yes, because it was. So Piglet put the jar at the bottom of the pit, and climbed out, and they went off home together. Well, good night, Pooh, said Piglet, when they had got to Pooh's house. And we meet at six o'clock tomorrow morning by the pine trees, and see how many heffalumps we've got in our trap. Six o'clock, Piglet. And have you got any string? No. Why do you want string? To lead them home with. Oh. I think heffalumps come if you whistle. Some do and some don't. You never can tell with heffalumps. Well, good night. Good night. And off Piglet trotted to his house, Trespassers W, while Pooh made his preparations for bed. Some hours later, just as the night was beginning to steal away, Pooh woke up suddenly with a sinking feeling. He had had that sinking feeling before, and he knew what it meant. He was hungry. So he went to the larder, and he stood on a chair, and reached up to the top shelf, and found nothing. That's funny, he thought. I know I had a jar of honey there. A full jar, full of honey right up to the top, and it had honey written on it, so that I should know it was honey. That's very funny. And then, he began to wander up and down, wondering where it was, and murmuring a murmur to himself, like this. It's very, very funny, cause I know I had some honey, cause it had a label on, saying honey. A galoptious full up pot too, and I don't know where it's got to. No, I don't know where it's gone. Well, it's funny. He had murmured this to himself three times in a singing sort of way, when suddenly he remembered. He had put it into the cunning trap to catch the heffalump. Bother, said Pooh. It all comes of trying to be kind to heffalumps. And he got back into bed. But he couldn't sleep. The more he tried to sleep, the more he couldn't. He tried counting sheep, which is sometimes a good way of getting to sleep. And as that was no good, he tried catching heffalumps. And that was worse because every heffalump that he counted was making straight for a pot of Pooh's honey and eating it all. For some minutes, he lay there miserably, but when the 587th heffalump was licking its jaws and saying to itself, very good honey this, I don't know when I've tasted better, Pooh could bear it no longer. He jumped out of bed 
He ran out of the house, and he ran straight to the six pine trees. The sun was still in bed, but there was a lightness in the sky over the hundred acre wood, which seemed to show that it was waking up and would soon be kicking off the clothes. In the half light, the pine trees looked cold and lonely, and the very deep pit seemed deeper than it was, and Pooh's jar of honey at the bottom was something mysterious, a shape and no more. But as he got nearer to it, his nose told him that it was indeed honey, and his tongue came out and began to polish up his mouth, ready for it. Bother, said Pooh, as he got his nose inside the jar. A heffalump has been eating it. And then he thought a little and said, Oh no, I did. I forgot. Indeed, he had eaten most of it. But there was a little left at the very bottom of the jar, and he pushed his head right in and began to lick. By and by, Piglet woke up. As soon as he woke, he said to himself, Oh. Then he said bravely, Yes. And then, still more bravely, Quite so. But he didn't feel very brave, for the word which was really jiggeting about in his brain was heffalumps. What was a heffalump like? Was it fierce? Did it come when you whistled? And how did it come? Was it fond of pigs at all? If it was fond of pigs, did it make any difference what sort of pig? Supposing it was fierce with pigs, would it make any difference if the pig had a grandfather called Trespassers William? He didn't know the answer to any of these questions. And he was going to see his first heffalump in about an hour from now. Of course, Pooh would be with him, and it was much more friendly with two. But suppose heffalumps were very fierce with pigs and bears. Wouldn't it be better to pretend that he had a headache and couldn't go up to the six pine trees this morning? But then, suppose that it was a very fine day, and there was no heffalump in the trap. Here he would be, in bed all the morning, simply wasting his time. What should he do? And then he had a clever idea. He would go up very quietly to the six pine trees now, peep very cautiously into the trap, and see if there was a heffalump in there. And if there was, he would go back to bed, and if there wasn't, he wouldn't. So off he went. At first, he thought there wouldn't be a heffalump in the trap, and then he thought that there would, and as he got nearer, he was sure that there would, because he could hear it heffalumping about it like anything. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, said Piglet to himself, and he wanted to run away. But somehow, having got so near, he felt that he must just see what a heffalump was like. So he crept to the side of the trap and looked in. And all the time, Winnie the Pooh had been trying to get the honey jar off his head. The more he shook it, the more tightly it stuck. Father, he said, inside the jar, and oh help, and mostly ow, and he tried bumping it against things, but as he couldn't see what he was bumping it against, it didn't help him, and he tried to climb out of the trap, but as he could see nothing but a jar, 
and not much of that, he couldn't find his way. So at last, he lifted up his head, jar and all, and made a loud, roaring noise of sadness and despair. And it was at that moment that Piglet looked down. Help, help, cried Piglet, a heffalump, a horrible heffalump. And he scampered off as hard as he could, still crying out. Help, help, a horrible hoffalump. Hoff, hoff, a hellable horalump. Hal, hal, a hoffable hellerump. And he didn't stop crying and scampering until he got to Christopher Robin's house. Whatever's the matter, Piglet, said Christopher Robin, who was just getting up. Hef, said Piglet, breathing so hard that he could hardly speak. A hef, a hef, a heffalump. Where? Up there, said Piglet, waving his paw. What did it look like? Like, it had the biggest head you ever saw, Christopher Robin. A great enormous thing, like, like nothing. A huge big well. Like, uh, I don't know. Like an enormous big nothing. Like a jar. Well, said Christopher Robin, putting on his shoes. I shall go and look at it. Come on. Piglet wasn't afraid if he had Christopher Robin with him, so off they went. I can hear it, can't you? said Piglet anxiously as they got near. I can hear something, said Christopher Robin. It was Pooh bumping his head against a tree root he had found. There, said Piglet, isn't it awful? And he held on tight to Christopher Robin's hand. Suddenly, Christopher Robin began to laugh. And he laughed, and he laughed, and he laughed. And while he was still laughing, crash went the heffalump's head against the tree root, smash went the jar, and out came Pooh's head again. Then Piglet saw what a foolish Piglet he had been, and he was so ashamed of himself that he ran straight off home and went to bed with a headache. But Christopher Robin and Pooh went home to breakfast together. Oh, bear, said Christopher Robin. How I do love you. So do I, said Pooh. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you found the show helpful and want to make sure it's around for others to enjoy, please go to KnoxBedtimeStories.com and click the Patreon button. There are various rewards, and it ensures the show will be here for a long time to come. I wish you all a good night's sleep and a happy peaceful life. May the best of your todays be the worst of your tomorrows. Good night.